Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Hi guys, welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Lisa Ryan. And I'm Caitlin Menza. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Um, You can subscribe to the podcast and leave us a royal rating of a five-star review, which is always very helpful for us. Yes. Um, You can also send us an old-fashioned email at info at gallerypodcast.com. And this week, we have a lot to discuss. Um, There are celebrities standing up for Meghan and Harry. Yes. Which we like. Um, Cute Archie Harrison update. Yeah, it really helps the stress of the first story (laughs) topic. (laughs) Totally, it does. And then we are celebrating Kate's love of photography. Yeah. I miss I miss her. Yeah. It helps it helps tide me over a little bit. <laughs> so I'm appreciative. So first we have our royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Yeah, so this one was sent to us by the folks at Caledonia Spirits. It's their Bar Hill Reserve Tomcat gin. It's very interesting because it looks like a whiskey or a bourbon, but it's a gin. Yeah, it's a brown gin, which is very confusing to me, but it's very delicious. It smells really, really good. It's really good. And we mixed it with lime LaCroix. We've been doing a lot of lime LaCroix because it's nearby, but it (laughs) it actually does make sense with gin because it's sort of like a gin and tonic. But this Mm -hmm. one has like all these interesting sort of floral like flavors and scents to it. I'm I'm really down. I feel very refined, I have to say. I feel like I'm drinking like a whiskey ginger ale. Well, not through taste, but through the way it the looks. The color, yeah. It's it's interesting. I it's, like it. It's beautiful. It's like a nice, gorgeous color that I'd <laughs> drink, I guess. And it's from Vermont. Oh, they don't make enough liquor in Vermont. Thanks, have you, Vermont. Have you been to Vermont? I sure have. I've I always so wanted much to cheese. go. Oh. oh, my God. You got to go and eat the cheese. Also, just the scenery. Yeah, it's pretty. It's very beautiful, but also cheese. Oh, speaking of scenery, <laughs> we have a really great um, listener email from Catherine. Um, she writes that over the spring, I spent about 11 weeks backpacking, canoeing and caving with a group of 11 people as part of an outdoor leadership course. 11 weeks. Caitlin, should we do this? No. <laughs> 11. I couldn't wow, do 11. rejected. I couldn't. I mean, Catherine, I respect you very much. I'm very excited for your future as a leader. But 11 weeks? I couldn't do 11 days. I know. I, I live get, in New York City. I get very nervous when I'm around nature. Yeah, me too. Uh, Catherine continues, because there's little to do in the backcountry wilderness besides make, make fun of each other and debate ultimately irrelevant topics. We got to a discussion of whether or not we think Queen Elizabeth can make oatmeal for herself. We also ate lots of oatmeal, so it was on the brain. <laughs> for those 11 weeks, I, an avid Royals fan since Kate and William's wedding, held strong, and still believe that the queen can definitely make her own oatmeal if she wanted. Since my course ended in April, I've thought about emailing you to hear your opinion. As I was listening in the car to last week's episode during another car nap. Car nap. (laughs) Adorable. I heard your discussion with Caroline from Town & Country about Balmoral and royal vacations, and I was reminded of this hot take debate. Caroline says it's reported that the queen does her own dishes at Balmoral, well, that is all the proof I was looking for that she definitely can make her own food, right? Sure, she has chefs somewhere, I'm oh, sorry, elsewhere, but I know that deep down she's a woman who knows how to follow directions on the damn oatmeal packet. <laughs> if she cleans up her own dishes, I'm sure she makes the food that dirtied them in the first place, at least sometimes. So I definitely think she can make oatmeal because I can make oatmeal and I am horrible at cooking. I just think that she, 
you know, I'm fascinated to know, we've discussed this a little bit in the past, like ages ago, that Megan and Kate both, when they entered the royal family, had to go into basically a survivalist training in case they were kidnapped. Oh, yeah. And I feel like Elizabeth grew up this way and probably has to re-up that lesson every five years. So I feel like that would be a part of survivalist training, would be like how to make your own fire and how to make oatmeal. <laughs> like maybe not an 11-week course on that topic, but a long weekend probably of that kind of training. Yeah. So so the gist is, Caitlin and I are not going on your 11-week course no. with you next time you do it, Catherine, if you do it again. And secondly, yeah, the queen can make some dang oatmeal. I think so. We don't know for a fact, but we believe it with every fiber of our I, I sure do. She just like, she's a tough broad. She can make oatmeal, you know? Yeah, she's super tough. She can take care of herself. Um, so now we have This Week in Royal History. And now, This Week in Royal History. So this is a slightly dark one, especially because of the headline that we pulled from Women's Wear Daily. It was, um, they ran it in last, no, sorry, two years ago in August. It was Princess Diana's final summer. Um, So it's just a look, you know, we're approaching the anniversary of her passing, and it's a look at um, how she spent those last couple of weeks. Um, So in that summer of 1997, it was, um, Diana was embracing a new phase of her life, WWD writes. Um, She's only 36, which like will it's never so, not shock me, especially so as I approach that age. Because, you know, of course, we were both young, and I thought of her as, like, older, like well, a she's mom. she's a mom. You know? <laughs> but now I'm like, uh. No offense to the moms. Like, 36 is super, super young. Of course. We were, like, you know, 11, so it seemed really old to us at the time. Um, but, yeah, so she was 36, and she began that summer by selling off um, 79 of her gowns in this really big auction at Christie's in Manhattan, and the proceeds were benefiting several of her favorite charities, including the AIDS Crisis Trust. Um, and then by July of that summer, she was dating um, WWD describes him as Egyptian playboy Dodi Al-Fayed. Um, he's the son of the Harrods' then owner, uh, Muhammad Al-Fayed. So, of course, there were tons of tabloid photos of them. And I always remember the, those pictures of them um, on the yacht in the Mediterranean Sea. Um, mm-hmm. So they had a summer – well, she had a summer of charitable visits to places like Bosnia and Angola. And also she went to New York City to meet with Mother Teresa. But then she also, of course, spent weeks um, in the Mediterranean Sea with Dodi. And in the weeks leading up to the tragedy, um, she spent a lot of time on – that yacht and she was pretty secluded for much of it. I mean, of course there were some pictures, but um, uh, Women's Wear Daily two years ago spoke with um, someone who was working as a stewardess on the yacht. Amazing. And she said that the summer involved a lot of barbecues on the beach, walks ashore and dinner um, and that the princess largely enjoyed swimming in the sparkling waters around the mega yacht and sunning herself in a number of one-piece sunsuits. Of course. Or swimsuits, sorry, but same. Yes. She had only a small amount of baggage and everything was very compact. There were bathing suits every day. She was obviously very experienced at traveling and would literally come to breakfast in her bathing suit ready for the day to just swim, um, which I really like. And she, this woman... Um, Debbie Gribble. She describes Diana's demeanor as relaxed, fun, and light. Um, she was a totally different person in public and private. I didn't get the sense that she was on the edge, on edge at any time. I get the sense that she was just enjoying this freedom, being in the moment, and actually living. And then towards the end of the summer, according to Debbie, Diana um, expressed eagerness to return to a normal schedule in London, including reuniting with her two boys, Harry and William. Um, 
Debbie says she mentioned looking forward to getting back. She wanted to see her boys and she liked to go to the gym. That was a big thing she mentioned a few times to me. She also missed eating at a more (laughs) of a British time, which is at six or seven o'clock as opposed to 10 o'clock in the Mediterranean. She was really living a totally different lifestyle than what she was used to. Yeah, really, really incredible. Um, What a summer. I just remember, of course, those images of her on the yacht or like sitting on the sort of diving board, you know, Mm -hmm. with her feet dangling off the edge. It's like a really iconic image. And then later when um, Naomi Watts played her in that movie, I'm not sure when it was sometime in the last few years. Yeah. But she recreated those that image as well because it's so iconic. Yeah. It's nice to think that she was having like a a happy summer and a a stress-free one um, before the horror that was to come. Um, But yeah, so that is, we're approaching that anniversary. That'll be next week. Um, But that is our week in royal history. Meanwhile, other vacationing royals. Yes. So this is something that we're really struggling. We don't understand. Lisa just put her hands to her cheeks with horror. We don't understand how this is a story in the first place. Yeah. Well, we know that August is slow, but like, how is this a story? So to take it back, I'll I'll like, you know, channel the rage through (laughs) like information. Um, So, you know, everyone thought that maybe Meghan and Harry were going to have a quiet birthday at home. But it turns out they actually went to Ibiza and they had what sounds like a lovely time. I mean, no one has anything like on the record about it, but it just sounds like they had a nice break, which honestly, like, why weren't we there? Yeah. Um, We're reading Elle's report, um, which also quoted um, some of the Spanish outlets and The Mirror and Hello, and they said that they... You know, they flew to Ibiza, that they stayed in a secluded villa, they traveled with their security team, and that they hired five local escorts who knew the area to sort of take them around. Um, Okay, so that happened. Um, I like the idea of them being with Archie on a little birthday vacation. And I like the idea of them, like, touring around and seeing some sites. And getting to know the area. Like, it just sounds like a really lovely holiday. I mean, not a holiday that I would go on because I don't have money, but, like, a holiday if you have a little bit of cash handy yeah but it just sounds like they probably had a lovely time that they deserved and then so so that was about two weeks two or three we almost three weeks ago now um but the news of the trip only broke in like the last week and then it was compounded almost immediately by news that they also went to nice so i feel like you know we play we pay close attention to it and it still felt like the two stories were sort of immediately combined these two trips um because one was at the beginning of august and one sounds like it was maybe just last week um they went to nice in the south of france and um we now know because he spoke out about it that they were staying with elton john at his villa um and so the thing that's been making headlines with this is that they took private jets reportedly to ibiza and then Nice, they were photographed getting off a private jet. And you see a picture of Megan. You don't see her face. But she's got her big white hat on, but she's holding little Archie and he's wearing such a cute little outfit. Travel outfit. Like, I think he's like super stylish already. I mean, obviously, like Megan and Harry are dressing yes. him, so they're stylish. <laughs> but so the story that's been going around was that they took two private jet flights. You all. Two or trips two on, trips private, on jets, private jets. So four flights. And people were calling them hypocritical for, you know, standing up for the environment, which they've done and will continue to do. Yeah. And then also taking private jets. So they were, like, it was insane how many stories were just out there and, like, the anger about this. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, sorry, Elton John was the first person to be like, whoa, Mm -hmm. guys, slow your effing roll. 
yeah. not an actual quote. <laughs> so he took to social media and he said, um, I'm deeply distressed by today's distorted and malicious account in the press surrounding the Duke and Duchess of Sussex private stay at my home in Nice last week. Um, Prince Harry's m- mother, Diana, Princess of Wales, was one of my dearest friends. I felt I feel a profound sense of obligation to protect Harry and his family from the unnecessary press intrusion that contributed to Diana's untimely death. After a hectic year continuing their hard work and dedication to charity, David and I wanted the young family to have a private holiday inside the safety and tranquility of our home. To maintain a high level of much-needed protection, we provided them with a private jet flight. To support Prince Harry's commitment to the environment, we ensured their flight was carbon neutral by making the appropriate contribution to carbon footprint. Um, so, wow. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, we didn't, as far as I recall, we didn't know that that's where they were. We knew they went to Nice, um, but we didn't know that they were staying with Elton John um, until he sort of spoke out and said, OK, they were with me, by the way, and I offset the flight by donating to Carbon Footprint. Um, so I sort of made up for the flight by doing that. Um, and, you know, he – of course, it's a major deal that he would bring up Princess Diana and essentially say, like, what you did to her, you're now doing to her son. Um, you know, it's a really big deal that he would do that. Um, everyone remembers that they were friends and him singing at her funeral. And I just, I, it would, it really moved me, um, the specific language that he used. I feel a profound sense of obligation to protect Harry um, because, of course, he's known him since he was a little kid. I just, yeah, I was really surprised that he did that. And then, of course, once Elton did that, um, A lot of other celebrities started doing it, like um, Nacho, who, of course, they work with um, from Santa Bale. He's like an ambassador of the organization. He said, um, I've also had the privilege of spending time with these two great with this two great humans. I say privilege not because of their status, but because of the kind people they are. They are the most humble and kind people that I know and who they are should allow them to be even more inspiring to all of us. And said the press focuses on attacking them and trying to find problems where there are not. Um, H&M, we have your back. Please be patient and do not change a thing. Um, and then the next person that or the next person that we saw spoke out was really surprising, but really yeah. lovely because we did not know that they hung out. So Ellen DeGeneres uh, wrote on Twitter, Portia and I met Prince Harry and Meghan in England to talk about their world, their work on wildlife conservation they were the most down-to-earth, compassionate people. Imagine being attacked for everything you do when all you're trying to do is make the world better. Wow. Yeah. Um, first of all, we were like, oh, that's a very busy August. <laughs> I know. You know. We're like, okay. Uh, hanging out with Elton John, hanging out with Ellen. With, is Archie still technically a newborn? Okay, this is where like the non-mother of me. I'm like, <laughs> he's an infant. He's a newborn in my mind because he was just born. Yeah, he's an infant. I don't think he's technically a newborn anymore. But, you but know, you moms have, out there, let me know. You're super busy with a little baby. You yeah. are secretly guest editing an entire magazine <laughs> yeah. that the entire world is going to read. Yeah. And then you have Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi just stop by to talk about stop like the Windsor. work you're doing. Yeah, it's really incredible. It just goes to show, I'm obviously, we're always going to be fascinated by what their lives are like behind the scenes and uh, quite glamorous, as it turns out. But I will say say like I think based on what I, I you know obviously I follow a lot of Royals reporters on Twitter and all of the Elton John and Ellen DeGeneres and Pink tweeted too all of that covered all of those um social media posts were yesterday afternoon and by the morning the Royals reporters were responding to it and all of them were kind of like 
you know, this doesn't make anything any better. Like the story was a already kind of disappearing about the private jets and also like the part of the criticism against Harry and Meghan is that they're too like celebrity friendly or that they want to be celebrities too much. And by having all their celebrity friends like pop up and defend them, it only emphasizes how much time they're spending with celebrities. I mean, it's just more like they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Like there's no that's what Elton was trying to highlight. That's what Ellen was trying to highlight. Like they're trying so hard to make the world a better place. And it just I feel like we talk about this a lot that you can if you want to find malicious intent with whatever they do you can find it yeah you can you can see anything with bad faith like if you are angry and at harry or you're angry at the concept of the monarchy then you're going to find the i mean yes i can observe the theoretical hypocrisy of harry care but like it's not even as if harry has said don't travel on private jets and then he he flies on private jets he says let's help the environment like it's not as if I don't know. I actually think that Lainey Gossip said it better mm-hmm. than we could say it. Um, so I'm just going to quote her really you? quickly. I'm very eloquent. I mean, you're eloquent, Caitlin, <laughs> but you're not Lainey Gossip. The, the anger gets in the way. I think I've been very clear that I think that Lainey Gossip is just so <laughs> phenomenal. It's Lainey Lee, and she's just so smart, and she's like a social anthropologist. And so if people are turned off by the term gossip, she's not just gossip. It's like what's going on behind the stories. So She wrote in a post that was about another story that's happening. Um, Here's the thing. There should be a a conversation about royal travel and climate change and hypocrisy. That's a worthwhile conversation to have in context. Prince Charles has been a climate crusader for decades, the first British royal to take up the cause way back when people laughed at him. He's flown private. Prince William, who has also urged uh, climate change awareness, uh, flies private all the time, most recently to Mystique with Kate and his children. Any concert, oh, sorry, any conversation about climate change and the royal hypocrisy then should involve all of them. Yeah. So it's like there is a conversation to be had, but attacking these two specifically just seems a little pointed. Just again and again and again. And the fact that, you know, like I don't want to go there, but the fact that this is like on the, the front pages of newspapers when there's something else happening with the royals that's like so much worse, you know, or not worse. It's all like. It's just how can you focus on Harry and Meghan at a time like this? But, of course, like, people will find a way. Like, they just must hate them, right? That's, like, the only conclusion you can draw. And by they, I mean certain aspects of um, British society, certain aspects of maybe all society. But, like, wow, you really have to have rage against these two people to find something bad in every single thing that they do. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, they went on a family vacation. If I could fly on a private jet, I probably I also would love to fly private to Elton John's villa in the south of France. Yeah, I would also like to fly private. But then I also really am like reading about, you know, glaciers melting and like the why the ice in Greenland is melting. And so I think you can, you know, it's it's just I guess it's a really difficult balance for. Yeah anybody and luckily i have literally no resources so i can never fly private yeah it's not a big like internal struggle for me um what i did think was super helpful is that uh town again we as we always say we love town and country their uh reporter victoria murphy did a story on how the royals really travel which is exactly what i needed in this kind of moment because i was like okay so they all fly private all the time but like is it all the time like should they be changing their ways? What is their most common source of travel? And she sort of summed it up. And, of course, they don't have one way of traveling. Sometimes they do fly commercial. They'll fly on British Airways. Um, I was re- – they they put in the piece that um, 
when they went to when the Sussexes went to Australia, they flew. Um, sorry, Qantas. Qantas, exactly like the sort of Australian airline. They flew first class, um, and. The, the answer is they all do different things all the time. Like, they fly different ways all the time. They take trains very often around the U.K. Um, when they're traveling, you know, on their own sort of property. Um, they travel um, by car. Of course, we all have the images of the queen behind the wheel, you know, especially around Balmoral and things. Um, so they like to drive. You know, we've seen – I'll never forget, of course, like – We've seen Prince William drive his babies home from the hospital. So they drive, they take the train, they fly commercial, they fly private, they fly first class, they do all kinds of different things. One thing I thought was really interesting in this piece from Town and Country um, was where they mentioned the Royal Yacht, which was decommissioned in 1997. That's a damn shame. But remember when um, it's the Royal Yacht Britannia, but it was in the Crown. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. Oh, that's oh, that episode kind of dragged. Oh, for I forgot me. to tease at the beginning. We have to talk about the crown. Oh, yeah. That's, so that's we're going true. to get <laughs> into that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That episode really dragged for me, except that he wears that cute Christmas sweater, Prince Philip. Um, yeah, I just so this was like really helpful for me to know. And of course, all of this information is public because they they re- release their annual financial reports, so you can see how much they're spending on high private and public flights and or commercial flights and all that information is out there. But of course, in this case, I don't think the issue is the money and the expenditure um, because this flight was paid for by Elton John, but it's more the, the carbon footprint. Um, I don't know. They're diplomats. Like, I feel like them flying private is not that surprising. You know, mm-hmm. I can't hitch a ride on Air Force One whenever I feel like it. You know, there are safety precautions. So Yeah, they won't let you on. They won't let me on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's um, talk about something cute. Yes, please. And that thing is little Archie Harrison, who we finally got a little bit of an update on. <laughs> and it's really just like a source talking to people. But yeah. it's extremely important because it's a question we've been asking since he was born. What effing color is his hair? Indeed. Well, now we know. He has tufts of reddish hair. So remember a couple weeks ago we talked about my favorite people headline, which was Prince George's, quote, a jolly little person. This week we have better quotes in a people headline, which is Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's son Archie is, quote, a happy baby, unquote, with, quote, tufts of reddish hair, unquote. It's so nice. Um. He apparently has lovely, puffy little legs in, t- <laughs> in addition to the tufts of red hair. He's really adorable, said the source. Puffy little legs. And tufts of reddish hair. We did kind of see the puffy little legs when Megan was getting on and off the plane, so that was a moment I appreciated. But wasn't he wearing um, pants, like baby pants? He? Well, you could see the puffy little—I mean, puffy. By puffy, I mean baby legs. Baby legs, chubby little baby legs. I, I think the word puffy is actually hilarious in this context— yeah. It's... So help me God if you called my legs puffy, but Oh yeah. I would go cry in the bathroom and I'd like look at you and be like, I don't care. I'm like I have no insecurities, then I go cry in the bathroom. Oh puffy. But when he's um two, three months old, he can be puffy. Um so and I love that update. That's the entirety of the update. I but, mean that's fine. But we love that update. Yeah. So like more details, please. Like, does his hair become more reddish? Does it get a little bit brown? We want to know. Take us yeah. on this hair journey, please. And soon we're only months away from their trip to South Africa and then we'll have more photos of this baby and we can you know judge the reddishness for ourselves as we can with the puffy legs they better stay puffy did you know um i used to dye my hair auburn um me too (laughs) oh my god really (laughs) 
There are I feel like every brunette does that at some yeah. point where you're like, I want to be blonde, but I can't. I'm not going to. I, I had like blonde highlights in eighth and ninth grade because like remember Kelly Clarkson on American Idol with like the super chunky no. blonde. It wasn't that You blonde. should not use that as inspiration, Caitlin. No. That was a horrible decision. No, that's not what I had. But I just want to take you back to the era of like 2002, 2003. Um that's where I was at. So I had the chunky blonde highlights. Then I went for red hair circa like 07, 08 because I worked in a beauty store. So I would get free dye or like discounted dye. Um, it was a, a grievous error. But I wow. imagine Archie's hair is cuter than what I was trying to pull off. Wow. I hope everyone loved this update. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we have another really cute, like happy, lighthearted one, which is that the newest season of Suits um, is now back, which of course has no... Um, Rachel Zane on it, a.k.a. Meghan Markle. Yes, and her husband on the show, um, Patrick J. Adams, who is married to Troy and Belisario, who I love. Yeah, do love her. Because she was in Pretty Little Liars, which I love. Um, Anyway, he and Rachel on the show had moved away, and so now he's back um, for a a bit on the show. And someone asks him, how's Rachel? And And then he replies. He said, good. In fact, if I told you how good, you probably wouldn't believe me, which is like a really cute little cheeky, cheeky moment. Yeah. Um, And then the the Suits official Twitter account, um, they tweeted out a gif of that moment and they wrote, turns out Rachel is doing really well. All caps. Um, So that's super cute. That is really cute. I love a fourth wall break. Yes, that's so I, why Fleabag. Well, one of the many reasons why Fleabag <laughs> is such a powerful show and so effective. Can we effective. bring up Fleabag once per episode? I'm pretty confident we can, <laughs> and we are. Summer 2019. Um, so now uh, we have a little Kate thing. It's not really an update so much because, you know, it's August, so we all know it's a slow time for the Royals. But it was just World Photography Day, and Kate, the photography-loving person she is, yes. she, uh, well, I don't know if she posted or Kensington Palace's um social media team posted but someone on kensington royal posted (laughs) that today is world photography day when we celebrate the art craft and science and the history of photography and then um there were pictures of kate with that little boy that she met at photography event and then images of the boy's photography yeah they sort of it's so cute so they introduce uh nine-year-old josh evans and he was at that event that she attended in june and so they shared um three of the images three let me look at them right now um well first they shared a picture of kate with josh and then it is one two three four five of his images and they're all like little nature pics there's an amazing like neon colored lizard there's a beautiful daisy and there's like a leaf with little water on it very sweet and this isn't on the lineup but um chris jackson of getty who we say repeatedly that we love we absolutely adore him and he also has a very cute baby so i highly recommend you follow solid but he just posted something for world photography day as well and it's images of the royals with cameras so remember we discovered the world discovered that Harry is also a really great photographer when Sussex Royals are geo-ish pictures. Yeah, I thought it was National Geographic, but no, it was Prince Harry. (laughs) Um, So they posted some stuff. But then um, he just had uh, pictures. Sorry, Chris Jackson had pictures of Prince William with the camera, uh, Camilla with a, I want to say old school, but by old school, I mean like circa 08 um, digital camera. Yeah. It's actually really funny. So all the pictures of them are them of, like, their faces, like the younger royals. And then Camilla's just holding hers up to her eye like my mom would be taking a photo. Yeah. It's just really cute. It reminds me of college when I would bring my digital camera oh to my God, a party. To every party. And then take a million pictures and put every single one of them up on Facebook as if that did not show just, like, how thirsty for, like, attention and um, everything that I was. Because, like, 
let the me effort re- it took. Let me reassure you that's what we were all doing the Sunday mornings after college parties, at least if you were an older millennial like we were. I know. I can't imagine if you just had, like, a camera on your phone. Yeah, you just keep uploading things throughout the night. It's very different. Um, thank God that didn't happen to us. But really cute day, and I like that they sort of saved this this moment for Josh. I wonder if they—I'm sure they told Josh before they, like— you know, listed his full name and age, but they must have. I just imagine like all. Yeah, they mention um, his mother, Natasha. She joked about her son not knowing that it was Kate. It didn't matter to Josh. He gets on with everyone. But in a few years time, when he sees the pictures of him and Kate, he'll know how important today was, which is really cute. Um, And actually, that's referring to um, Josh spoke to reporters as well. I didn't know who she was, but she wanted to see my pictures. I still don't know who she is, but she has my favorite picture. And I showed her the picture I took in the garden of the leaf in the puddle. So freaking cute. I like that he still doesn't know who she is. He's like, I still don't know why you're talking to me. It's like, it's fine. I'm not going to learn. Get your recorder out of my face. Um, Maybe that's why they like hanging out with kids so much. Like, you know, when you really think about it, Kate yeah. always looks her happiest when she's at a kid event, like looking at this Instagram right now. And I wonder if just because they're like, you are pretty and you have nice hair. And they're just or, friendly to her. And also she just likes kids. But, well, of course. And she's a great mom. It's just like there's such an innocence to kids and they don't care about who she is. They just want to yeah. talk to her. I that must be that. nice. Yeah. And then we have another quick update. Um, so Entertainment Weekly has a new cover story, or at least it came out late last week. So... That's why we kind of forgot to tease it at the beginning. But it's all about The Crown Season 3, which is actually going to happen. First of all, I can't believe after all this, like, teeny, teeny teases where they would just, like, release a still image from the set. Now we get a cover of Entertainment Weekly um, and all these, like, interviews and all these fun behind-the-scenes videos and images. And so the sort of, like... Well, maybe you'll have a different standout, but the standout hilarious moment to me is that Helena Bonham Carter, um, who is playing Princess Margaret, she says that she actually has met she met Princess Margaret before she passed away. She said, my uncle was actually very close to her. She was pretty scary. At one point, she met me at Windsor Castle, and she said, you're getting better, aren't you? <laughs> Referring to her acting abilities. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's I amazing. Know. And she goes, well, I presume that's what she meant. Like, what would you be getting better about? Um, the thing that stands out to me is something that I have to give you credit for because you actually emailed it to me, like, last week. Um, but so somebody asked Olivia Coleman what it's like to play um, the role of Queen Elizabeth after Claire Foy. And just like, you know, this part that's been played by like an award winning yes, actress. Yes, and she did such an amazing job. And so Olivia Coleman, who again, we stan. Yes. Um, she said, it's horrendous. <laughs> Everyone loves Claire Foy. So I have... I've got the worst job in the world at the moment. You're saying all the worst things. Thanks. Which is hilarious because obviously Olivia Coleman is incredibly talented, intensely talented. We're not just saying that because we're stands. We're saying that she just won the Oscar. Yeah, like she's you want won- proof. Yeah, she's won so many awards. And just again, that three second teaser that they released last week, I was like, she could, she might kill me. I was very impressed by her acting ability in those three seconds alone. So we know she's going to kill it. Um, and of course, I feel like that's the British humor to be like, oh, me? What? I'm going to be terrible at this. But of course, she's going to be amazing. I don't know if watching this will evoke the same emotional response that watching Fleabag did. But when I watched Fleabag season two, not season one, season one was very good, but season two was especially powerful. Unbelievable. I was just like, oh, my God, my life has changed. Like, the world is different now. And I feel like The Crown will have the same thing. Season three, I'll be like, wow, the world is different. Yes. I So I, like, really, really recommend reading the whole article. They also um, discuss 
they give all these I don't, it's weird to call them spoilers because of course it's the course of the 20th century you can find them on <laughs> wikipedia like we know what happened to queen elizabeth over the course of her life um but it mentions that the notable historical subjects that we will be covering that they'll be covering in season three include um the 1964 discovery that the queen's art advisor was a soviet spy the labor leader harold wilson's rise to prime minister that same year um the aberfan disaster which was an avalanche of coal waste that buried a school in wales <gasps> i didn't know about that well it's funny you say that because olivia coleman said i had never heard of it, which breaks my heart slightly, Coleman says, of the event, which claimed the lives of 144 people, oh my God. mostly children, because it was over a school. It you buried can, a school. You can tell I haven't read the full article, given no, my No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, that's what's so interesting about the show. Like, obviously, they could cover, like, the major events in history that we've heard of, but it's so much more... Um, I don't know, like fascinating to see the smaller moments like season one, that episode where they're covered in like all of London is covered in this pollution fog that depresses them all for a couple of weeks or um, her visit to Ghana and how important it was for her to dance with the leader there. Like those moments are so much more interesting than like, I don't know, her discussing. I've tried to think of literally any important moment in British history in the 20th century, and I can't think of any. So, yikes. This yikes. Is why, this is why I need the show. Yeah, this is why. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, well, before we adjourn the Royal Pod, we have some highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. I haven't thought of any. <laughs> you know they're going to keep that in now. <laughs> um, my low is the malarkey. Yeah. Um, my low is thinking about what must be going through Meghan Markle's head right now, I mean, Prince Harry is probably used to it, obviously, but just what must it be like to, I just hope that anxiety isn't settling into her. I hope her inner strength is just like prevailing because it must be so terrifying to come back from maternity leave, you know, this fall and be like, wow, I wasn't even active this summer and people still found reasons to hate every single thing that I did. So yikes, how can that not seep into you, you know? Think about like when you've had a terrible boss and they just like you get so anxious about what they think about you that it starts to affect your version of yourself. Except in this case, your boss is the world, the whole planet telling you how to feel about yourself. Yikes. Sorry, I brought us way down. Yeah. What's your high? I mean, that's a low. So like it's okay. (laughs) Lows bring us down. Um, So my high, I just feel like after everything that we discussed, my high is going to be um, what you just said about Helena Bonham Carter and... (laughs) Uh, the crown because I did not read that full article but I did look at all the pictures there's just so many like great great tidbits there's lots of good stuff in there so I highly recommend it I love I mean I don't like when people are mean obviously but I do love hearing stories of Princess Margaret and some of the things she said because sometimes I romanticize her I'm like oh you know like we all have our bad days and I'm like oh gosh yeah that's why again we love that 99 glimpses of Princess Margaret book that we discussed last year when we had the author on Craig Brown um she really she loved a cutting remark you know yeah um so always recommendation for that um my high my silver medal high is tufts of red hair mm-hmm. my gold medal high is puffy little legs oh 
It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I just love that like one quick update, like, oh, he's got red hair and puffy legs. And it's like breaking news. It makes my whole week also like not for nothing. After reading all this like terrible tabloid stuff, I was like, puffy little legs just helped me. I know. It's like, that's the breaking news I need in my life. Exactly. Um, Okay. So you guys can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com to ask us any and all questions about the Royals. And then we have a review. Would you please read it? Yes. It's from KT DeLav. Um, I'm officially obsessed with Royally Obsessed. This podcast is something I look forward to every week as Caitlin and Lisa. Also, it's both Caitlin, right? Which... Not to make it about me, but there are some aunts and uncles of mine who can't spell Caitlin right. So I do enjoy seeing the different ways people spell your name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and their guests dish on the latest royal news and provide context with info from the past. As someone who's a fairly new royals follower, the context is key. That's actually good to know because I just think there are certain things that I take for granted as, I don't know, like basic common knowledge. And obviously, if you're here listening, it's because you have some knowledge about the royals, but then every once in a while, like, a friend will ask me a question that I'm like, you seriously don't know who that person is? Yeah, but then on the same at the same time, like, people will ask me questions, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. So <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate that we have guests on who are actual experts. That's true. So it's always very helpful. Um, but, Caitlin, what is the correct way to spell Caitlin? I mean, I know it, but, like, I know how you spell it, but is that, like, the universal way, or is your way kind of, like, edgy? I I'm, I think it's a bit edgy. I think with a K, it's a little edgy. I think C-A-I-T-L-I-N would be, like, the most Irish way of spelling it, and that's an Irish name. So I think this, I think C, um, no extra K and no extra Y is probably, you know, Ks and Ys. It's a rare, it's a rare spelling. Fascinating. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> uh, so you guys can follow the show on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast, and please join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Caitlin, where can we follow you? You can follow me at HeyKMenz, H-U-I-K-M-E-N-Z, on Twitter and Instagram, and read my writing at CaitlinMenza.com. And you can follow me, Lisa, at Lisa Raya on Twitter and Instagram, and also LisaRaya.com. I love it. So many Lisa Rayas. No <laughs> Lisa Ryans. Uh, and so until next week, please, please, God save the pod. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got today. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.